Right across the city, the community newspapers had been bought by Metroland and they were gouged of all content and it, they were just glorified flyers that you'd find on your porch and then you'd, you'd boot them right into the blue bin. And I just thought, what if a paper tumbled up on your porch once a month that actually had you know, really great stories written by great writers? That's Dave Bedini, musician, author, documentary maker, and founder and editor-in-chief of a new but old-school newspaper, The West End Phoenix. He's our guest on this episode of Explore, a Canadian Geographic podcast. I'm your host, David McGuffin. Welcome to all you explorers out there, armchair and in motion. I've just come in from watering the skating rink on our lake, which feels like a very Canadian thing to say, and also very appropriate considering who our guest is today. It's hard to think of a person who has written more about Canada with as much passion and in as many different ways as our guest today. You might know Dave Bedini as the songwriter and frontman of the Rio Statics, that most Canadian of Canadian bands. Or you might know him for his many best-selling books, like On a Cold Road, or Tropic of Hockey, or Midnight Light, or his award-winning journalism and documentaries, or his latest endeavor, starting up a community newspaper from scratch in his hometown Toronto called the West End Phoenix. The Phoenix is a bold effort to fill the void caused when big newspaper chains started slashing local media outlets right across this country. With a focus on excellent writing and storytelling, it features guest appearances from the likes of Margaret Atwood doing book reviews and Rush guitarist Alex Lifeson. As you'll hear, Dave's inspiration for the Phoenix was his time spent working at the Yellowknifer in the capital of the Northwest Territories. It's a paper that remains relevant to this day by focusing its resources on reporters writing about local issues instead of spending on generic wire service copy and press release journalism. We'll also touch on Dave's deep love of the Toronto Maple Leafs and possibly figure out the cause of their decades-long Stanley Cup curse. So stick around for that. But before we get going, this podcast would not exist without Canadian Geographic magazine. And if you're not already a subscriber, please consider becoming one. You'll not only be helping a completely unique and important independent Canadian media voice, You'll also be getting six print issues a year and digital access to amazing, award-winning writing and photography about Canada, its people, land, and wildlife. And your subscription gets you a membership in the Royal Canadian Geographical Society. A nice bonus. So to subscribe, go to cangeo.ca forward slash subscribe. And now, without further ado, my interview with Dave Bedini. Dave Bedini, welcome to the Explore podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So before this interview, I finally got around to reading Midnight Light, which I loved. Uh, it's your book about the North and your your period as sort of a guest columnist reporter at the Yellowknifer, the community that's at the paper up there, mm. and it's part of a bigger chain of papers. And News North. News North, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that that felt like a bit of an origin story for West End Phoenix, specifically the Yellowknifer. And I just, could you, for people who don't know the Yellowknifer, I've had, in journalism, had a number of friends whose career started there, but for a lot of people who don't know it, can you just explain a bit about that paper and its uniqueness? Yeah, it is. You really hit the nail on the head there. It's a, it's such an important kind of, you know, training ground for, for young reporters. And, and you're right, you know, countless careers have been launched by people who've gone through there. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I was there for a literary festival in 2014, I think, and um, I'd never been to Northwest Territories before. I'd traveled everywhere in Canada and found myself up there and, and really fell in love with the town. It's an interesting place, you know, Dene Nation, the indigenous culture there is so present. Um, mm -hmm. It's such a big part of the city. Uh, so that was a great education, you know. Um, and, and, you know, and the rest of the citizenry are kind of really, it's a nation a northern nation of unloved toys in a lot of ways, or misfits, certainly. So everybody yeah. has an interesting... There's a lot of mythology. People, you, have, you create your own personal mythology when you travel so far away to such a remote city. Um, so, you know, a lots of uh, great, you know, great raw material for stories and for a writer. And, and, and one of the central uh, unifying elements of the, of the city, really from its inception has been, you know, newspapers, journalism, media, and um, the Yellow Knifer is at the center of that. So I was charmed to find a, a capital city in Canada, small C capital city, um, that, mm -hmm. that in which a newspaper was still an important part of everyday life there. Um, right. And I'm so grateful, you know, that they, they were really open to me open to the point of almost suspicion too, like wondering why I would want to, <laughs> why I would want to sit at the the city desk with them and the other reporters. And, and, uh, and so I asked, you know, if I could come for a summer and work for them and they said, well, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but okay. So, so I did. And Bruce Valpy and Mike Bryant were really, really open to me and, uh, got to know everybody That's there. That's the owners of the paper? Yeah. Well, Bruce was the publisher or was he the publisher? Mm -hmm. He's a publisher now. Um, and Mike, yeah. Mike was managing editor and editor in chief, I believe at the time. And, uh, and they uh, and while I was there, uh, a reporter uh, with whom I became friends, John McFadden, was arrested for obstructing a police mm -hmm. investigation. So I originally yeah. was just going to go up there to write about the city. You know, I wanted to write a book about uh, about a northern city, yeah. as opposed to a book about being on the land. There's a lot of those, and yeah. you know, the best thing that uh, could have happened to my narrative was John getting arrested. Thank you, John. Yeah. So yeah. I managed to. You know, I was I I was originally just going to spend four months up there, and 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 I ended up you know being up there eight yeah. or nine times over the course of 18 months. So um, it, because John was arrested, I spent more time up there. So I got to know the city better, which is always, you know, you're always worried about doing a flyby. Um, and then, you know, came home, wrote the book and realized I hadn't had nearly as much fun writing the book as I had working at the paper. And then, so we just kind of applied the yellow knife for model to the West End mm -hmm. here. And then, and that's yeah. how the, that's where the paper emerged. And explain that model because this is not part of any bigger chain, not part of the Star or the Post Media. Or it's it's a really locally owned, locally run paper, right? Yeah, not a lot of independent media, as you know, in our in our universe anymore. So yeah, we started a hundred percent independent and, and and remain that way. You know, mm -hmm. there have just been in the West End, anyways, and really right across the city, the community newspapers had been bought by Metroland, and they were gouged of all content, and it, they were just glorified mm -hmm. flyers that you'd find on your porch, and then you'd, just, you'd boot them right into the <laughs> right into the blue bin. And I just thought, well, what if what if a paper you know tumbled up on your porch once a month that actually had you know really great stories written by you know great yeah. writers and and uh, knocked on doors for the first uh, half a year really, and just asked people if they'd be interested in subscribing to community newspaper sold 800 subscriptions before we had a single uh, paper printed and knew that was that there was an appetite you know and knew that people would be interested in it it helped that people could kind of put a face to the project through me and the band mm -hmm. and um 
and yeah, and that's uh, you know, and so and so great support and really lots of love from the community and stuff too. So, yeah, that's that. It was just you know we just fit, you know listen in our time too you know uh, you know voices and stories and and knowing your neighbors and knowing what's happening at the corner of your street. It's a fifteen minute world now more so than ever, right? Yeah. So that was that was the that was the angle that we took in begin in starting it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I have a lot emotionally invested in, in the West End Phoenix and that I, one of my bugbears for a long time is uh, sort of based on a Molly Ivins quote, you know, the American colonist. Yep. And she said, I don't, mind, I don't mind so much that newspapers are dying. It's watching them commit suicide that pisses me off. Yeah. 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 And and I feel like that's what these big chains have been doing. They, there's less and less actual gumshoe reporting, actual people talking to people, actual, it's press release journalism, and people don't want to read it because it's not interesting, right? I mean, why would you want to pay money for a newspaper that doesn't make an effort, you know? So and I applaud what you're doing, and I, my real hope is that you succeed at it. And, and how's it going? Yeah, so this is, we started, this is the beginning of our fifth year, um, and five is a big benchmark for any business, really, for, for anything. Mm-hmm. And, and um, mm-hmm. so it's a robust operation. We can exhale a little bit now. You know, that's um, gratifying. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that I can really take the pedal off the gas in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're subscri- subscriber and, and donor supported, really. You know, we don't have, right. we don't, we, you know, we had, we had some uh, uh, COVID relief money from heritage last year we hope to get a little bit this year too but mostly it's um you know it's all it's all ground game really and it's all mm-hmm. it's 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 our neighbors and people within the community that support what we do and that requires you know a constant sort of gentle full court press and that's mm-hmm. mostly falls to me i'm not doing hard i'm not doing much writing or or really any kind of e- editing or anything like that and Mostly, I'm a I'm a fundraiser in this capacity and a bit of a dreamer, and we try to do interesting events and stuff too. So, and that can get a little bit. Well, it's already become quite exhausting, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. I would love to be able to just kind of, you know, uh, be be healthy enough that I would didn't have to worry too much about that. But that's going to require mm-hmm. some sort of major piece to fall, you know, into the way we 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 structure the economy of the paper. We don't have that yet, so I'm hoping. Yeah. I mean, I watch what you guys are doing and there's benefit concerts and you, you know, there's a lot of, you have auctions and different things going on. It sort of makes me think about small, like uh, independent booksellers and how they were all dying off. And there was, you know, the funeral notices were written for them many times over, but they're, they're bouncing back now and they're bouncing back by doing a slightly different model. Like they'll, you know, they're hosting events, they're doing all sorts of things other than just books. And it feels like, is, is that kind of the model you see is working as well, or is it, is the ultimate hope just to be a straight newspaper? No, I think it was Andrew Cash who said, you know, uh, at our last event, who said, you know, you guys are much more than a newspaper, and um, and I think that's I think that's probably, I mean, that's also uh, that's just simply a necessity as well because listen, you know, the amount of people that are going to want to read a print newspaper, you know, that's a smaller group than ever before. So, mm-hmm. well, you know, well, we'd love to have tens of thousands of, of readers and subscribers. We don't. And I don't know if we're going to be able to get there. So we have to sort of support ourselves. But at the same time, we're, you know, we're, because we're such a lively operation and because there's a lot of people that work on the paper that come from music and other disciplines, it's really fun to do that kind of stuff too. You know, we did our, we did a news, our news aid event <clears throat> at a local brewery outdoors uh, in October. We had 750 people out and it was a great event and all the musicians donated their time. And, you know, uh, people, people just, people also, I think, 
um, need things to rally around, you know, especially mm-hmm. kind of local neighborhood in, endeavors and stuff. Now that said, we still, we, we have, we have hundreds of people that, you know, that subscribe and read us right across the country. And, you know, with the piece in the New Yorker last month, we've had dozens right. of Americans subscribe, which is just crazy and a half yeah. to find it, you know, to find people in small town USA <laughs> wanting to read us, but it's also beautiful too. So, um, yeah, we have to figure out different ways to, 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 to stay healthy, but we also, we also, you know, love to do that stuff too. I mean, I love putting on shows and I love performing and dreaming up yeah. that sort of stuff. And partnerships are, are big too, I must say, you know, we, um, you know, we partnered with Kobo, we partnered with BMO, we part- partnered with Toronto Star. So, so that's really, mm-hmm. really nice having those, you know, occasional romances, you know, with, with people who actually re- have real influence in the, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the world. So um, it's nice to have those allies supporting what we do. Yeah. And talk about allies, you got Margaret Atwood writing book reviews for you, which certainly is a good ally to have, it seems. Yeah, she wrote us, she was, she wrote us our first check when we started, you know, uh, five and a half years ago. So she's always, yeah, she's been great. Totally. I mean, she's the grand dame of, you know, Canadian literature for sure. What's, I mean, what's she like to work with? Well, I, I haven't, I, I don't edit her, but I think she's quite agreeable. I know whenever we've asked her to, to do something for us, you know, she's she's always stepped up and has been you know you know she's like she's busy all the time she's she's just still so lively in the world and and and, yeah. and i think likes to have a good time and really mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know we're nothing if not a good time i think like in terms of the way we put ourselves together so that's always nice too to to know that whoever you know comes to us you know it's going to be a good hang you know if i was to say what your focus was in the paper be like the, the arts and social justice seems to be a lot of what it's about. And I'm just wondering why you landed on those. Is that, you know, sort of what your comfort zone was or what, what was the reasoning behind that? Arts and social justice, I think, are both endangered species in a lot of ways or, or, or those are two areas that are constantly kind of challenged by our society and our world. So um, those would be, you know, I think... Um, it's important yeah. to continue to tell stories from within those realms so that people can just relate to them and know them better, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's we've all seen, you know, just to use arts as an example, um, you could use social justice too, but you look out the window and there's that, you know, person walking down the street with their guitar in their, in their soft shell case and you know, you, you know them as somebody who lives, you know, seven doors uh, up from you, but you never really, you know, it, we're all so busy and the world is so complicated. It's off, you know, we live in a, a country that is still getting used to asking questions, you know, of each other that you never really know the story. So it's up to us to kind of find the story and tell the story of that, of that poet who lives up the street or that guitar player or that you know that new family that 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 is is suddenly in your midst to tell those stories to each other so we know each other better and and so those are two um areas that i think can always use more storytelling for sure i I must remember hearing a couple years ago that you know toronto which hosts the toronto international film festival has like two full-time movie reviewers you know staff movie reviewers and you know i know you know there's (laughs) voids there to be filled well you know, and I, I know this as a writer too, you know, there used to be, um, this is 15 years ago, maybe a bit more, you know, I'd get calls from, you know, the Vancouver province and Winnipeg Free Press and uh, Montreal Gazette. And, you know, I remember when the Habs were 
sold to an American. I think I wrote something for the Gazette. Mm-hmm. Um, and the phone used to ring all the time. Um, and and, and, and uh, so you'd have all these opportunities to write. It was great because it kept you busy between books, but it also was a little bit of money in your pocket and you develop your audience. Those calls don't come anymore just because they're, you know, media is such a conglomerate and, you know, there's not the money that there was before and people just publish less. So we knew that when we started, there were a lot of really great writers, you know, in our neighborhood and beyond who were sitting around not writing, you know. So we at least have given them the opportunity to stay as busy as we can, you know, um, accommodate. And people like Michael Winter and Claudia Day and Heidi Sapinka, you know, um, Eternity Martis, they're all, they're all great, great, great writers. Um, but the nature of the game means they only really produce a book once every three or four years if they're lucky. So... We get to have them all the time, um, and we're so we're so grateful for that. So, unfortunately, you know, the sad thing is that you've seen the decline um, in, in that in that um, in those opportunities at large. But for us, it's actually a bit of a gift because we have sort of people at our disposal who are just dying to write and dying to work, and we can facilitate those ideas. Obviously, the hope is, and I, I believe this, is that good writing will find an audience in the end. Yeah, you hope so, eh? I mean, and I do think at the end of the day, you're right, you can just you can just do what you do well, you know, or as well as you think mm-hmm. you think you can do and then you uh, you're scattering those seeds on the breeze often it's like, you know, they'll find a home and they'll, you know, and they'll find an audience hopefully. But um that that also takes at the end of the day, I think it begins and ends with just like hard work, you know, and um, and also just mitigating, uh, or knowing what, what your idea of success is as well. I know that with the band too, you know, we never were really able to kind of cross over into that, you know, land of big audiences and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's 42 years later and we're still playing and making yeah. records and stuff. And I think, I, I don't think I would trade that for, you know, for that popularity that we never really achieved. Because we were able to just be creative and cohesive and unified together in what we, in terms of what we wanted to do. So I think I think the paper is a little bit of the same too. If we can just keep, you know, keep from drowning and we can keep, you know, doing what we do well, then 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 people will follow us and incrementally it'll get bigger and better every every year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Can you just tease us what's coming up in the next issue? What what, what can people look forward to in terms of the writing? It's a food issue, so it's a lot of nice. um, it's a lot of like in so it's not restaurant based. It's mostly like just you know people's discoveries in terms of what they do at home and the role that food plays in their lives. And you know, there's there's food security stories too. There's um, uh, stories about you know uh, foraging for um, uh, you know wild components that people have used mm. to 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 make stuff and there's a there's a large double page spread cartoon about a a a, a scamp who keeps leaving um cold cuts uh, in this in the junction uh in toronto um and as a result there's been a coyote problem in the west end because <laughs> of that so um nice. and we have a standing uh, comic memoir this uh this year too by julian taylor the great um songwriter about his experiences growing up so yeah there's a lot of great stuff this issue and then we'll probably follow up we do a music and a sports issue every year and we're going to do that i think next year and we're also going to look at you know the nature of of travel and and speed 
and transportation as they, as it exists in our cities. And we're going to twin up with um, some other places around the world, I think, to generate some stuff too, which is going to be great. Huh, interesting. Yeah, well, it, and it's nice because there are not that there's a not that every city has a West End Phoenix, but there's certainly there's independent journalism happening everywhere. So, trying to piece that together a little bit uh, with other with other partners at at our level too to generate interesting writing about about transportation because it's always great to see what other communities are doing and how those ideas could be applied to what we what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just got the two hundred units edition right beside beside me here which is just an amazing piece of journalism it's so it's an issue that's completely dedicated to the lives of people in this low-cost apartment series of apartment blocks and the mass evictions that are going on there and just i mean that that's the kind of writing people will come back for right it's just yeah thanks i i i think so too we did um you, you are you in ottawa david is that right yeah well that we actually have an ottawa connection that's very very strong um mm-hmm. Uh, two uh, criminal lawyers, uh, D- Donald Bain um, and Mark Ertl, are in Ottawa, and mm-hmm. um, they're friends of mine. Um, uh, Donnie, uh, they've both done incredible uh, social justice work on their own, but um, we have a, a, a mutual friend who passed away um, a couple of decades ago, uh, Joe Burke. He was uh, he was also a lawyer, and. Um, uh, he was on his way to an Ottawa Red Blacks game, unfortunately, when he first took ill. But um, mm-hmm. we um, we wanted to do something in his memory, so we launched the Joe Burke Journalism Endowment last year, and we had Eternity Martis submitted an idea about racism and really the reality of people of color uh, when it comes to jurists and juries, and mm-hmm. what what people of color have to face when they're looking at an all white jury and how that plays in terms of injustice. And it's great because the Justice Department has actually is actually going to use that as um, sort of as a, as a vector yeah. for addressing the situation, yeah. which is great too. But um, we had all these incredible applicants and only one award. Um, but one of those people that came to us with an idea was Abby Planner, and she. Um, she came to us with this idea about writing about the West Lodge Towers and the single unit and going into there to get the stories to illuminate the conditions of affordable housing in our inner. So, so it's, so anyways, a bit of an Ottawa connection there. And it's nice to see people from cities other than ours that want to get involved and participate. And we're, um, you know, we're really grateful that, that, you know, that they put up the cash and they made this happen and that helps, you know, right. It's great, you know, with Eternity as well. It just helps her get through her, you know, literary life and allows her to have that economic stability where she can go in and really devote time to working on these right. stories rather than worrying about, you know, what... Uh, yeah, and just to have the luxury to be able to spend that time, you know, like, which, again, in journalism these days, you don't have, right? It's, it's so true. Gotta, you know, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. No, absolutely amazing. Um, can we talk hockey? Sure. Anytime. Okay. So, <laughs> so I have my one of my favorite Dave Bedini moments, and I was a Leafs fan growing up. I was uh, Ballard era. <laughs> yep. But uh, I think for like a lot of Leafs fans in that era, Wendell Clark was like this bright, shining light that cleared away the darkness for a while. Mm-hmm. You in Kelvington, Saskatchewan, on Hockey Night in Canada, you went out and shot a was it a was it a hometown hockey segment? I think it was Hockey Day in Canada. With Wendell Clark. Yeah, Hockey Day. And uh, there's a moment there where at the end where you're sort of at the frozen stream where he learned to skate and play hockey in the middle of this so snow-blasted right prairie. Right out here, there's the rink. In a non-snowy day, you could skate for oh, wow. a mile and a half that way. 
run over the road and skate for a couple miles that way. Holy smokes. There, big moose running Look through. Look at the moose. There's there the moose going across the road. Wow. And it had to be, I think, the most Canadian moment I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Like, there was a, you're right, there was like a very small stand of trees, right? That's the prairie, mm -hmm. right? Was, and yeah. yeah, it was, and the, that one moose, you know, the moose came out in the middle of the, yeah, I think it was the trans, was it not the Trans-Canada? If it wasn't the Trans-Canada, it was a highway for sure. And yeah, yeah. it came out and it looked at Wendell and Wendell looked at the moose and the moose was just like, yeah, I'm out of my depth here. And it just sort of <laughs> scattered into the, uh, ran into the culvert. But that was a fun trip. You know, we were out there, oh, we were in Lloydminster for Hockey Day in Canada. That's what happened. And, mm. and it was cool, you know, to, um, it was me, Wendell and Greg Shell. And um, mm -hmm. who's the Leafs? Uh, one of one of one of the Leafs skating um, gurus, and we were in the truck, you know, his his F three fifty, I think, and we were mm -hmm. heading out to Kelvington, and you know, I visited visited the school where he, you know, we went to school, went to the rink where you know they had all his dad's memorial, and then had our moment yeah. with the moose, and 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 the next day I, I talked to Greg, you know, Torchy is his nickname. I said to Torchy, I was like, you know, that was really great to do, and he was like, Dave. I've never heard Wendell talk more in one road trip in my life, which made me feel really good that yeah. he felt comfortable yeah. enough with me. And I have a really, I, I have a shorthand with hockey players. I don't know why it is. I, we just came back from, I just interviewed Espo, Brad Park, and Dale Talon in Florida for a project that I'm working on. Right. And it's just... That's on the 72 Summit Series, is that... Yeah, it's it's we're not actually able to announce it yet, but everybody knows okay. what I'm doing. Anyway, so but nothing is really official, but it it is anyways. Yeah, we're working on a seventy two project. So Yeah. So Aspo and Yes. So but it's neat, you know, I find that often in sport, even more so now because there are fewer just reporters, you know, getting back to your original conversation, just on the ground talking to them, but a lot of guys don't get asked a real question, you know, or they're, yeah. or they're, you know, or they're, or they're not programmed to answer a real question too, right? Because everything is so tight in terms of their handlers mm -hmm. and stuff. So that's always really great when you can kind of punch through a little bit. And, um, you know, there is an intelligence to, um, you know, to sport and to athleticism and competitiveness. And it's, it's great when you can kind of, uh, you know, get, get around on that and, and, you can see them really trying to, you know, think about about you know uh, an idea that's framed in a way that they haven't been that it hasn't been framed for them before. So, anyways, I feel really close mm. to the community. And honestly, you know, when when I was having a tough, you know, when the band was, you know, maybe floundering a little bit in terms of our popularity, and when I was having mm -hmm. trouble getting published, the hockey community. You know, it's 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 um you know there's still so much that has to change, and it's still so diseased in many ways and there's so many yeah. problems but if I, I've always found it really you know I'm a listen I'm a, a white guy in his 50s so it's a different ball of wax mm -hmm. but I found them really really supportive of all the ideas I've ever brought to that culture and um, and really supportive of what I do too so for those reasons I think it's important to kind of do what I can to help bring like a different um, flavor or different ideas to, to, to the culture but you know you know, mm -hmm. Wendell welcoming me in his in his truck. You know, I was you know I'm a weirdo with a with a funny haircut that plays in a, a strange band. You know, and and writes weird books. Uh, it was nice to be, yeah, to, yeah. to yeah. Let him be him being open to me and others being open to me in, in terms of what I do. But you care about the game. I yeah, care, as you say. You're coming from a slightly different angle, so it's interesting. Totally, for them, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got uh, somewhere in storage. I think. Uh, 
a TTC ad of Wendell Clark oh, yeah. holding up this. It was a, just a Toronto oh. Sun ad. It said, we'll, we'll be there. He's holding the cup, and it must be from 87, which... Oh, great. So it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> blame the Toronto Sun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have this pet theory that the, with the pro, one of the main problems with the Leafs is that there really should be about three teams in Toronto or in the Toronto area, and that there's so much focus national local media on this team that it's it's just unbearable yes uh, it's both i mean i I could also argue that being a leaf uh, in this town even a losing leaf you know even the worst leaf you're kind Uh you still you walk into you know a a neighborhood rink or you you go to the bar or you go to out for dinner people love you people love you because you're a leaf i mean Twitter, mm-hmm. Twitter would suggest otherwise, but it's not true. You know, like right. if Jonas Hoagland, you know, moved next door to me, like it would be yeah. the greatest thing in the world. It's Jonas Hoagland. Yeah. Like I hated Jonas yeah. Hoagland, but he was a Leaf man. So it's, it's, it's both, it's both difficult and, and really easy to play hockey in this town. And I think, you know, you get killed seven, nothing. And, you know, you go down to the variety store, people still hold you in thrall because of, who you are and we hold that gig is held way too high in terms of our our society and our community but you know that's just the nature of who we are largely so it's 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 both a blessing and a curse i think to be to be playing hockey in this town so you i mean you've sort of come at writing about canada in in a ton of different medium and i'm just i mean what is it about this country and this people that's obviously just catches your attention um it's still a young country, you know, and there's still so mm-hmm. many stories to be told. And, mm-hmm. and um, listen, it's it's for, for years. I think I think literature is a little bit of an exception. Certainly, uh, you know, the other other mediums, uh, you know, fell short. We were just like a, such a, you know, we were a colonial nation culturally, you know, with the exception of indigenous arts, arts and culture, obviously, but. But you know, outside of that, we were we were all we were always slave to, uh, I, I both the Brits and the Yanks. You know, mm-hmm. this is especially true of music. You know, where growing up, you know, and even with the Rios, you know, people would try to get us to cut the Canadian shit. You know, and to yeah. to sound yeah. more homogenous or more like a band who came from L.A. or London or New York, and um, yeah. so that's really right up until the, you know. 90s if if we only really started to grow out then that's not a long timeline that's 30 years right so there are always more and more opportunities and with the country changing so much and with so many new voices coming in there are just so many more sort of lines to follow and, and threads to follow and and i think that's a bonus you know as a, as a young country we should use that as as an opportunity right to mm-hmm. to tell those stories um you know it'd be harder frankly to be a <clears throat> to be a writer in those other places because those stories have been told over and over again and there are fewer yeah. opportunities to be new. So I just always yeah. kind of look for that, you know. When I wrote On a Cold Road, my first book, it was M&S. Just, they didn't even make a hardcover edition. It was, they just went straight to paperback because I, they, they, I think in the back of their minds, they wondered why anybody would want to read about Canadian music and Canadian musicians, you know, and the same was true for Tropic of Hockey with, you know, why would people want to read a book about hockey that's not about the NHL and so on and so forth. So it, it also, you know, it, it's great because it justifies looking for different ideas. And I think, you know, 
I think there's enough interested readers and listeners who will mm-hmm. follow a different view as opposed to the same old story. It's always good. Yeah. It's always good to, to, to go to a new place. There's the air is better there generally. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I just moved back to Canada after like mm-hmm. two decades away in 2018. And the, I mean, the thing that's really blown me away is just sort of the, the indigenous revival mm-hmm. and all the arts and culture and the voices that have come back on that. And, you know, and it just, it's such a unique part of what this country is too. And just, I, it's such a positive thing to see that being embraced now. Um, and, and such a strength for us as well, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just so sad that for so long, those voices were, you know, denied mm-hmm. any kind of platform. And now, now, you know, it seems that, yeah, we're correcting that. And that was, you know, my discovery in Yellowknife about mm-hmm. learning about, you know, people whose families had been there, t- you know, for 10,000 years and hearing the stories of Kaicho and, you know, the stories that you only ever heard were, were about John Franklin as opposed to, you know, the indigenous elders and the leaders yeah. up there who yeah. facilitated him. And, um, yeah. and, 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 you know, you, then you wonder why we never learned, uh, you know, about, you know, those stories in school when they're yeah. so remarkable. So, yeah, it's great to, it's great to have th- those stories and so, and, yeah. and, and incredible, incredible writers and, 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 and people who, um, you know, whose work and whose, uh, personality and identity really lends itself to a, a much better literary and arts landscape in our country. Right. It's, it's such, it's, it's such, it's, it's really worth celebrating. Right. It's a beautiful, yeah. and in that sense, it's a beautiful time to be alive as an artist in Canada, for sure. So last question, cause I know you need to get going. It's a question I ask all our guests. Is there a a special place for you, your favorite place in Canada, it might be a happy place that you go to in your mind or a place you just love to visit and sort of unwind or what is, is there a special favorite spot for you in Canada that you go to? Um, oh yeah. Right. Canadian geographic. Okay. I see, I see what we're doing here. Um, no, it's funny because, you know, really we could, we could talk about, we could talk about place all day long because mm-hmm. it's such a big part of, of our, our national geographic and social and cultural identity for sure you know boy oh boy and it's hard for me to rank you know to to talk about a favorite place and and a lot of those places too are just you know are so diff you know are so hard to get to also whether it's you know whether it's gross morn or whether it's the western arctic you know or whether it's haida Gwaii or whether it's you know the the capel valley Mm -hmm. and you know or even southern saskatchewan i want to go back yeah you know i did a I was at the Moose Jaw Literary Festival um, a few years ago, and Saskatchewan Tourism um, uh, gave gave me the keys to an SUV, and um, I, yeah. I barreled south to Val Marie because I promised Brian Tracci I'd visit the museum that had his dad's rodeo gloves under glass. Oh, right. Yeah. I went down there, and and um, but driving through southern southern Saskatchewan was mind blowing to me. How um, yeah. just you know yeah. that se- the com- ocean of valleys, you know, and coolies yeah. and down south and there is Cinnaboya and Burning Hills and it grasslands basically is down at the bottom of Saskatchewan and um, no, like it's this, the the land is roiling like it is remarkable and there's mm. no one around like you are alone on this tumultuous landscape. Mm. I'd like to go back there. I'd like to go back with my family. Um, a great, yeah. great place to get. Not literally lost, but because I came close to that as well. But. Um, to lose yourself and your imagination in a place so vast and open. Nice. Yeah, and varied. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. 
Beautiful. Well, Dave Bedini, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Yeah, this has been a real, real treat. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Explore. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review us. A five-star review really helps these interviews reach a much wider audience. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, when we'll explore again, I'm David McGuffin. I think right now we're enjoying very much looking back at the Earth, and it's just a, a fantastic experience, and I just can't wait to get back and start telling people. We left Simpson about June 10th with the Fur Brigade, consisting of a number of York boats, each manned by 10 voyageurs. For us, Inuit, it means that Inuit or history is very strong. And we flew all over every inch of the country that it could be. We were hoping that he would fire at us. Oh, I guess 165 or so. Well, I'm a first for Canada.